0: this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Thank you so much for praying with me and uh, praying for some of our missionaries That's about a third of them. And uh, so we've got a number of people that we keep praying for, but the Lord has blessed this congregation to to not just minister in these walls, but to minister outside of the walls as well. And that blesses my heart, and I hope it blesses your heart as well. It's really why we're doing something like Boundless. Boundless is this two-year initiative that we have to expand our footprint, uh, we're building a larger worship center so that we can seat about double the, the amount of people that we have in this room right now. And we're ministering to our kids and remodeling space back there so that our children can have just creative, engaging environments that's much needed. And then expanding what we do for mission work. Over this two-year period, we're, we're raising the level of what we do to a half million dollars, and we're going to meet that, and we'll actually exceed that through our local outreach and through our missions as well. And so that's all part of Boundless. And for us, it's halftime. I I don't know if you saw this last Saturday, but last Saturday in the NHL, there was a game played by the Carolina Hurricanes and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Hurricanes lost both of their goalies. And so both goalies were out. And that's when the Cinderella story began. Average 42-year-old Zamboni driver David Ayers was chosen out of the crowd to suit up and get in the goal. So they took him out of the crowd. He suits up. They're sewing his name on the back of the jersey, and he gets out there and he starts to play. Well, he lets a couple of shots go by and and they score, but then he really poured it on, like in the third quarter, and he stopped eight out of ten shots leading the Hurricanes to a 6-3 victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Unbelievable, right? You, out of the stands, come here. I mean, it's amazing. He is the oldest player to ever win his regular game debut as a goalie. I mean, it was amazing. Pandemonium is like awesome. Way to go. He got 500 bucks for doing that. He gets to keep his jersey, and I can guarantee you he's never paying for a meal in Raleigh. He's like, hey. David Ayers is in there. They're selling his shirt with his name on it. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing kind of thing. And I thought, wow, that's really great timing because I've been talking to all of us to get out of the stands and to get into the game that we would suit up and we would get involved in what God is doing here at Brookville Road Community Church with the mission, the vision, the direction that he's asking us to go. It's halftime and we want everybody to get into the game with what God is doing today. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Corinthians chapter 9. New Testament, not Old Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, the Apostle Paul. He is talking with the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church has decided that they're going to get on the same page with Paul. Paul's been going around the different churches, and he's been telling everybody about the poor believers who are in Jerusalem. And so Paul has been trying to raise funds for that ministry. And so the Corinthians said a year earlier, Paul, we're in. We want to sacrifice. We want to bless our brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem. We're going to take up a special offering for them. And now the Corinthians, in the Corinthian church, the Corinthians were brand new Christians, and they lived in the Mecca of materialism. Corinth was was very rich. They had everything at their disposal. And out of that materialism, out of that, they had this desire to to help to begin to do something to take up this offering so as we read through this text what I want us to do today I want us to figure out how it is that you and I can get into the game how can we get into the game with generosity and so we're going to look at the life of the Corinthians and how they did this and so the first thing the first point I want to make is this generosity is all about impact generosity is all about impact You've heard of impact players before. Impact players have a a certain skill that when they get out there on the court, out there on the field, they raise the level of play for everybody else. And I believe that's the kind of potential that you and I can have when it comes to generosity. Each of us can live such a generous life that we become impact players and it affects everybody around us. This is what we find in verse two. Paul writes, "'For I know your readiness.'" of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia, and that's the region where Corinth is, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal, Corinthians, has stirred up most of them. So the zeal of the Corinthians, stirs up the Macedonians so that they get involved with what God is doing in the area of generosity. They were stirred to action because here they find the, the Corinthians in just the mecca of materialism and they're letting go of some of that stuff and they're blessing others and they say, okay, yes, we're in, that's created a sense of excitement in us as we see what God is doing. And I believe that one of the concerns that we should have in our own lives in a culture that has a ton of materialism is how do we get that grip of greed off of our heart? How can you and I not live a life of selfishness but a life of generosity? And I think especially as parents, and one of the questions we should be asking as parents, how do I instill this in my kids? How do I make sure that they aren't caught up in materialism the way that things look and they get themselves upside down when it comes to money? You and I as parents, we are modeling generosity for our children. They are watching us. That's one of the benefits of Boundless. It's one of the benefits of us saying we're in, we're going to sacrifice, and we want our children to be able to see see the faith that we say that we have. And so how is it that you and I can let go of that grip of greed that pulls on our hearts in this very materialistic society? Well, there's a lot of ways to do that. I just want to mention two today. One thing I would encourage you to do is just give stuff away. Just give things away that matter to you. Regularly find a way to give things away. And the reason that I would suggest that you do that, if we don't let go of things, if we don't give things away, we start to think that it's ours. And we we hold it really tight. Mine, mine, mine. And we don't let go of it. We talked last week about how everything belongs to God. Nothing is really truly ours. He has just put it in our hands to manage for a period of time. And when you and I let go of things that are important to us and we give them away, it reminds us, ah, that's right. That was never mine to begin with. So if you're gonna loosen that grip of greed, I would say start to give things away. Another way that you can let loose of that grip is you need to develop the art of appreciation. The art of appreciation. Let let me explain it like this. Let's say somebody in here owns a car that I really, really would like to own. They own a 2020 Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye wide body, all right? 6.2 liter V8, 797 horsepower, zero to 60 in rip your face off 3.9 seconds, 10.8 second quarter mile. Let's say somebody owns a Hellcat. Now, let's be honest, I can never own a car called a Hellcat. (laughs) What's your pastor drive? Uh, I'm not telling you. I can't own a Hellcat. And I for sure can't own what they made last year. I can't own the Dodge Demon. There's no way I can own a Demon. Uh, Any elders in here? Elder check, can I own a Demon? No, I can't own a Demon. The only way I can own a Dodge Demon is every time I get done driving it, I drop the keys and I say... I have exercised the demons, that's it. So I can't own a Hellcat, I I can't own a demon. I'd like to, but let's say I pull into the parking lot and I see in our parking lot, somebody in the church owns one of those. I have no idea who owns what, I never see your cars, I'm in here before you come in. So anyway... Maybe you own this, I don't know. And I see that car and I say, and by the way, that's the Stars and Stripes model. If you, you know, technical things here, I just thought that one looked good. So you, you own this beautiful car and I come in and I say, wow, look at that car. I hope they tithe. And I say, I also hope they paid attention to the last point that I made about giving stuff away. God let them just feel this desire to give away that car to their pastor. I would love to own that car. Now it's great that you own a car like that. I I should just begin to appreciate that fact without having to to have something like that for myself. And so one of the things that I kind of run through my mind is I just run out the whole scenario. Imagine, Chris, what it would cost to own that. What it would cost to insure that. What it would cost to pay the taxes for that. You know, what it would cost to maintain it. What it would cost to put on four more tires because I burned the others off again. what it would cost to pay all of the speeding tickets. What, what it would cost to do all of that. Imagine, Chris, how far you'd have to walk at Meyer and Walmart because you're not parking next day. Anybody out there. Like, just walk from home, forget it, right? It's great that you own that. I find that the more that I develop the art of appreciation and just thanking God that somebody has something nice like that, that desire, that covetousness, that that thing in me that pulls me, it begins to shrink. I begin to covet less when I begin to just appreciate. When I can say to you, man, you've got an awesome home. What a beautiful car. I love your clothes, whatever it might be that grip of greed begins to loosen up in my heart where I don't have to feel like I have to own everything. I can just appreciate things. So give things away. Learn to develop the art of appreciating what others have without having to own it yourself and, and have that. So and what we're trying to do is get to this place where generosity marks us, where we're not caught up in the materialism, where we're not caught up and I have to have everything for me. Because what happens is, when you are and I are generous, it begins to create this zeal in others. This powerful impact that begins to snowball. So, uh, I would say that generosity is about impact. In the next couple of verses there, Paul says that he's going to be sending to Corinth some brothers. So some brothers are coming your way to Corinth, and they're going to start collecting that offering. And the reason they're going to come and collect that offering is so you don't look silly saying that you're going to collect an offering and you don't do it, and so we don't look silly saying that you were going to do it. So it's about impact, and then he moves into something else where I would say that generosity is about trust. Generosity is about trust. There's, there's a principle here that, that we're going to read. And the principle is this. It's kind of an economic principle. And that is this. The more that you invest, the more that you can receive. The less you invest, the less you receive. So the more that you invest, the the more potential that you have of of harvesting, of getting more. The less that you put in, the less that you make. It just tends to make sense. It's all about trusting God. It's about trust. Look at this. Verse 6, Paul says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly. Now, sowing is planting. So whoever plants sparingly will also reap, harvest, reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So if you are going to sow bountifully, you have to trust God. If you're a farmer and you are sowing seed, you're planting seed, God has given you a certain amount of seed for you. And you can look at that seed, and you can say, I'm going to trust God with all of this seed. I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to trust that he's going to cause it to grow, and he's going to multiply it. So I'm going to sow the seed. I'm going to plant all of it. If you don't trust God, you're going to hold back some of that seed, and you won't won't plant all of it. So if you plant just a little bit, how big's your harvest? It's a little bit. But if you fully trust God, you will sow bountifully. Now here's what happens. If you and I, in the realm of generosity, decide, yes, I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to be involved with generosity, and I am going to sow. I'm going to return to the Lord. I'm going to give to him. Here is what happens. You go to verse 10. He continues on this, this theme. Verse 10 says this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And then verse 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way. That's what happens. And you might say, well, okay, I can be enriched in every Does that mean I can be enriched financially? Could be. I've been enriched financially by God. He has enriched me. That enrichment didn't happen when I was focused on myself. That enrichment didn't happen when I had a selfish and stingy heart. That enrichment began to happen when I opened up my heart and I realized that God owns everything and I don't own anything. I'm the manager. And when I began to realize that I am the manager, then I felt responsible for his resources. And when I felt responsible, I started making better decisions. And when I made better decisions, I had more money. So one of the ways that God rewards and multiplies is through money. Now, I realize uh, some of you might be thinking, oh, <laughs> Pastor Chris is kind of dancing this line of the prosperity gospel. That, that sounds kind of like a, a health and wealth kind of thing. You, you just need to know, and I'll state it right out loud, I am opposed to the prosperity gospel. That is not in the Bible. The gospel is different than that. I'm also opposed to selfishness, because the Bible is opposed to that. But we can't just say that God will bless us with money, because it goes way beyond that. I mean, the, the ways that God blesses you as a result of generosity goes beyond money. You can be blessed spiritually. You're blessed in, in your relationships. You can be blessed occupationally. I mean, it is limitless the way that God wants to bless us through generosity, You see, without generosity, you are never really going to plumb the depths of the spiritual maturity that God has in store for you. Now, watch the rest of this. You have to read this. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So as you're enriched, as God blesses you with money and raises and all kinds of good things that are happening in your life, that's not for you. You keep thinking that it's for you, but it is for you. Him. He will enrich you in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Again, it's not about us. It's not about you and me getting richer and nicer car and bigger home and bigger bank account. It is all about the one who owns all of the seed pouring into our lives, us trusting him with that, and then him multiplying. Why? so that we would be generous, not so that we would just simply consume and hang on to everything for ourselves. And every one of us in this room, we've been enriched. God has blessed us. And some of us in the room, we've got a big pile of stuff. And some of us, we have a small pile of stuff. We said last week that God God chooses to whom to give what, whenever, however he wants, and sometimes that's not fair. And so you might have a big pile of stuff, you might have a small pile of stuff. The question then becomes, what are you going to do with that stuff? It is up to you what you do with what God places into your hands. But we're all going to receive things from God. We're all getters from God. I think of getters in two different categories, two different types of getters. One, one kind of getter we, we can look at as what I would call the Velcro getter. This is the person who receives the good things from God, the blessings of God, and man, it just sticks to us, right? I mean, this may be somebody who has maybe a scarcity mentality, like, I'm not quite sure that God will give me more, so I'm going to hang on to this, and I'm afraid I may not get one of those again, I'm going to hang on to this. And so we just take, 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 and this is the bent of my heart. Uh, I can lean towards a scarcity mentality and and hoarding and keeping things to myself, but man, boy, we love the blessings of God. Yeah, I will take money. Thank you, God. I will take forgiveness, thank you, I'll take eternity, I'll take forever, and it's just take, 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 and it's just sticking all over us, Jack, and there is no other way that anything will begin to be into our lives where it begins to take a hold, because we're just filled up with stuff for ourselves, and we have consumed, and everything is stuck to us, and the blessings of God, it really doesn't amount to much anymore, because I have kept everything for me. Now look, don't do the Velcro thing, do the Vel- do the uh, Teflon thing, rather. Do the Teflon thing. The Teflon kind of getter is somebody who receives from God, knows it's from God, and when it hits their life, they just say, thank you, Lord. I know that every good thing comes from you. And it's not mine to hoard or to hang on to. And when it hits my life, I just want it to flow out of my life and move back in the direction that you would have it to go because God, I trust that there's more coming. You're gonna meet every one of my needs. I can trust you. You're sufficient. You're good. I will continue to invest in what you are doing around me. Open up my heart to generosity and not to selfishness. Rather than doing the Velcro thing where you hold everything and you're stingy with stuff, have the kind of heart that realizes that every good thing comes from your heavenly Father and it is meant to be spread out through your life, not for your glory, but to thanksgiving to God, as it says in verse 11. Now, Generosity is about impact. Generosity is about trust. Then finally, I want to say generosity is about your heart. Generosity is about your heart. Uh, Stewardship is discipleship. Stewardship and discipleship are are both connected. That's why we have to talk about money. That's why I have no problem talking about money because we talk about people being wholehearted followers of Jesus. If I don't talk about our stewardship, then I'm not truly helping you and me understand what God says about being wholehearted in the realm of Stewardship, of managing our stuff. In fact, Jesus said, Where, wherever your treasure is, there your what? There your heart will be also. Th- they're linked. You, you want to know what, what you're interested in, what you're passionate about? Just follow the money trail. And God knows that your possessions, your money, is so closely linked to your heart that once we start poking on things, and I start poking on materialism and greed and selfishness and giving that's poking you right in the heart and you start to pull back if you're a Velcro kind of getter and everything in your mind is yours and you have to make it happen yourself. It's all about your heart. So here's Paul, he's going around and he's talking about this special offering beyond what the churches normally do to take care of their own needs and this is what he says in verse seven. Each one must give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a what? God loves a cheerful giver, God loves a cheerful giver. Now that word cheerful, in the original language is where we get the word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. And so when we give and we're kind of doing this Teflon thing, we're just saying, God, everything's come from you. You have blessed me, and I thank you for that. And it's just going to kind of slide right through my life to others. And, God, that brings me joy. When I know that I can bless you, bless your kingdom, bless those around me, God, that brings a cheerfulness to my heart and to my life. God loves a cheerful, hilarious Giver. And so, if you're ever walking out there and you see somebody putting their offering envelope in the offering box and they're just laughing, they're not crazy. They're a, no, they could be crazy. They're, they're, a, they're a cheerful giver, right? I mean, if, if your giving doesn't en- elicit this kind of like joy and happiness that you get to be on the same page with God, then you don't have cheerfulness. You're miserable. And what's the first word? What's the first part of miserable? Miser. I have never met a miser who is cheerful. Misers are miserable. And so I would just say if in your life you're, you're wrestling with a lack of joy, a lack of happiness, a lack of cheerfulness, that you would begin to look at your heart in the realm of generosity. Now I have no idea, that's between you and the Lord. There may be other things that are happening, but this is a good place to begin and to look. And when it comes to, to money and finances, No church, no leader should ever move in the direction of guilt or or compulsion for other people to give. And that's not the way that we do things around here. I and mean, we don't have all this kind of gimmicky stuff. We don't have bake sales and bingos and raffles, and we don't have a thermometer on the wall that we're kind of moving up and down and what's happening, all these gimmicky kinds of things. We're not putting your name in lights if you give a certain amount of money. You don't see plaques around here. Uh, and we're not just kind of showing up to your house and knocking on the door and saying, well, you're gonna have to pay this amount. We don't even pass an offering plate in here. We're just asking people to pray, to listen, and respond. And what we have found is that God's always been faithful. The the lights are on, missionaries are taken care of all the time. We just trust that God will move on the heart of his people. And he has done that throughout the years right here. But the Bible points to the fact that your money and your heart, it's a barometer of what's going on in your spiritual life. And I would be so bold to say that your heart has not been converted if your material possessions have not been converted. Now, that's a bold thing to say but you really need to look in that area. And investing in what God is doing is a part of the Christian life. That's what he has called us to do. And he's called us to do it through the church. Businesses don't reclaim, refurbish, and redeem lives. Education doesn't reclaim, refurbish, and redeem lives. Only Jesus Christ reclaims, redeems, and refurbishes lives. And he does that through what he has instituted, the church. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower his church to be called the body of Christ, that we would carry out his work on earth, not for ourselves, but for the world around us. So that's why we do what we do. We are here for the world. We are here for those that are around us who have yet to hear the gospel. And the way that we do that is through our resources, but not just through our resources. We do it through our time and our spiritual gifts, and we do it through our prayers, our prayers. You've heard me talk about us holding the rope for others. Let me explain where, where that idea comes from. Because around here, we, we put a high premium on prayer. Like, let's, let's trust God in prayer. Let's not trust in man. Let's not trust in our money. Let's trust in God, and let's pray to him. So let me tell you where that, that illustration comes from. Many years ago, there was a couple, and they were called, they felt called to be missionaries in Africa, and this was at a time when Africa was known as the white man's grave. And so the husband came before the home church, his home church, and he said to the congregation, We have a strange dread in going to Africa. We feel as if we're going down into a pit. And we're willing to take that risk and we're willing to go. If you are home church, will hold the ropes for us. In other words, if you will hold us up in prayer as we go down into this pit spiritually, we'll go. And everybody in the church said, we'll pray for you. We're gonna hold the ropes in prayer. Well, less than two years went by, and that missionary's wife and child died of fever. And he too discovered that he was dying. He would be dying soon, and he decided, you know what, I'm gonna go back home. I'm going to go back to my home church. "And not waiting to send word on ahead, he just started making his way back to his home church. And when he showed up, nobody knew that he was coming. he slipped in. It was a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and he sat in the back row, and he just kind of watched what was happening that night. And at the end of the meeting, he walked to the front, and everybody in the church was shocked to see him there. They didn't know he was coming, and they could see that he was dying. And he said, "I'm your missionary. My wife and my child are buried in Africa, and I've come home to die. This evening, I listened anxiously as you prayed for some mention of your missionary to see if you were keeping your promise. You prayed for everything connected with yourselves and with your home church, but you forgot your missionary. I see now why I'm a failure as a missionary. It's because you have failed to hold the ropes. About 30 years ago now, Uh, Pastor Andy's family, the Flink family, uh, were called to go to China. And uh, Dr. Steve Flink and Kathy uh, were called to go. And Steve Flink stood up in front of the congregation and he shared that illustration that I just shared with you. And he asked us, this was back when we were meeting in the dome, he asked us, would you be willing to hold the ropes for our family as we go to China? And everybody in the church said, we will pray for you. And when the Flink family had to come back from uh, China, when they showed up at the airport, every single person, 100 people showed up at that airport and they were all holding ropes as they got off of the plane, just reminding them that we are here for you and we have held you up in prayer. Friends, we, we are the church and we are here to hold the ropes for our missionaries, for our church planters, for people around us who have yet to hear the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. This is so much more than just money and resources. It is all of us pushing forward. We do not have time to be selfish. We don't have time to be selfish with our money. We do not have time to be selfish with our spiritual gifts and we do not have time to be selfish in our prayers. We must be generous. And we want you to get into the game. It's halftime. And a number of us have been out on the court. And it's not, it's been sacrificed, but it's not as if it hasn't been enjoyable. We would love for you to get involved in what God is doing in this place. We truly believe that God has a mission, a vision, a direction for us, and we have stepped into that, and we are watching him do miraculous things. Last year when we came to a Sunday like this and it was commitment weekend, we had over 300 commitment cards that were turned in. And of those 300 commitment cards, 140 of them were starred, they were marked, and those were individuals who said, this is the largest commitment that we've ever made to a church in our lives before. Because so many of us believe that God is calling us to something larger than ourselves individually. That he is calling us to push into areas where it is going to take us stepping out in faith. I would love for you to join in the adventure. For you to get in the game. And in order to do that, it revolves around generosity. And generosity, it's all about impact. It's all about trusting God. And it is all about your heart. And when you came in, uh, you should have gotten a a string there uh, on your chair there. This string represents the person that we want you to hold the rope for. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, a coworker, somebody who has yet to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that we're here for them. We're not here for ourselves. The Christian life is a a life of selflessness, not selfishness. And so when we think about this, I mean, when we put up a, a new worship center, that worship center isn't for us. It's for people who have yet to hear the good news of Jesus. Some of them will meet. Some of them we may never meet down the road. The Lord may take me home. I won't see some of them. All the space that we're remodeling for our children, that's not just for your child. It's for other children as well. And some children you and I will never meet. Everything that we are doing goes beyond us. It involves a heart of generosity, a heart that has been transformed by Jesus Christ out of a love that has overflowed because of what he's done for us. I just recognize that when I return to God, because it's all his, and I give to boundless, I I do so with the realization that I'm investing in your friends, the people that you're holding the rope for, your family members, our our neighbors who have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. It's all about this selflessness. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.